welcome to the podcast. Coming to you from the Midwest Coast. I'm inside that miraculous establishment, the Midwest Healing Center, Lake of the Ozarks, podcast, Studio B. This is the New Old School Podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. Tell somebody about the podcast. It's all free. You know, you can download any of these free apps, any mobile device, Podbean, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes Store, Spotify. They're all free. Join the thousands upon thousands listening every week from all over this blue marble planet. So awesome. Uh, even here in the good old USA, reaching 30 of our United States so far. So spread the word. We want them all. We want all 51 of them. Remember when Barack Obama said that as president, 51 or 52 states? Well, hey, we'll take them all. Whichever other ones he wanted to include were... We're going to take him. I think it was a state of confusion he was probably speaking about. Even as the analytics say the parts unknown, we want them to. Appreciate you all helping us reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are in a very long, but very good series titled Doorways to Deception. I'm telling you, the devil will no longer be able to deceive us. And if he can't deceive us, well, he can't affect your life the way that he has been. Because he has to lie to you to do it, to fool you, because we know better than to allow him to just walk right in. We left that behind when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So he's always looking to trick you, to fool you into surrendering your rights as a believer. And then he's able to come in these doorways, we're calling them, seeking whom he may devour, which means it's not everybody, seeking who he may. Don't be one. Don't be one that he can devour. Become undevourable. That was our old radio program, undevourable. That's what we're doing here in this series because he knows now he has to be sneaky. We, we just know too much to allow him to walk right in like we used to. So he's taking his same old tricks, but he is trying to wrap them up in a different dressing as to fool us into allowing him in. And we have been on a particular topic of pride for some time because this one is big and we learned, well, it doesn't always look like we have been told that it is. The church allowed the world to make the definitions and we have suffered for that. And we want to know what it is that the Bible says about this topic because it's in this truth that once we find it, then we can be free. And the last time that we were together, and I loved this one, I learned a lot, uh, we discovered it's... it's um, to not become discontent with where God has us at this time, and yet at the same time, of course, always continuing to look forward, knowing there is more out there for me to get to. But right now, I'll serve where I am, doing what I'm asked here, all while I'm, I'm still running my race. And remember, we talked about pressing towards the mark of the high calling of the prize. What did it say? Pressing towards the mark, not the call, not the prize, the mark. We identified as uh, that's those things that God has set before you right now, that, that point to the call and the prize, but it's the mark set before us. And as we hit that mark now here down the line, it leads us to that call, to that prize. So hit the mark today. We also said, uh, and I, I thought this was good advice, but as you serve now, 
sow the seeds of being the type of person that you would eventually want to help you in the future. Because there will, there will come a day that you will need help. And well, what seeds did you sow in the past to see that you would reap a good harvest in the future? Be the person now that you would want to come alongside you to help in the future. It works. But we see so many that are just not happy with where they are. And they think that they're better than that. I have the skills that are not being tapped into and you're wasting my talents here. I'm more talented than so-and-so. And so, well, pride has come in. We see many who are discontent with where they are right now. And that is a form of pride to not trust that God has you where he needs you for the purpose of fulfilling what needs to take place for the kingdom. Not your kingdom, his kingdom. He's trying to get you to hit the mark right now so that in the future you will hit that prize, that high calling. But many don't like the mark. And so there is always this temptation of feeling discontent and upset and anxious with where we are now. And well, what happens? The devil looks to divide you and sift you. So today, look at Hebrews 13. Here's some advice on how to overcome that temptation. This is uh, verse five. I'm gonna read this out of the Amplified. Let your character your moral essence, your inner nature, be free from the love of money, shun greed, be financially ethical, be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never under any circumstances desert you, nor give up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake you or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. Can you see this, guys? Listen, God will always meet your needs. He's always going to take care of you if you're going to trust him to do so. And so with that settled in your heart, you can now rest and be content with where you are today. That it wouldn't matter what the devil's trying to do in your life because God has already committed himself to never let you down. He's never going to fail you, never going to give up, never going to leave you without support. And so that goes back to trying to rush things and wanting to jump out ahead of God. Because he's working through people. And don't forget that. He's speaking to others about you right now. But he's working with people to help take care of you here. So be patient. And you won't be anxious. You won't be discontent. Now the next thing in, uh, that we find here, uh, Luke chapter 2, we see his birth, a dedication to the temple. And then we pick back up with Jesus being 12 years old as his mother and father are trying to find him. They're searching for him, right? And they discover him in the temple. But look, look at this, Luke 2 in uh, verse 52, he increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man, right? He's growing in the things of God. So if Jesus needed to grow in the things of God, you think about this, this is the one that was sent for the purpose of saving all of humanity, left heaven, laid aside his mighty weight and glory to put his spirit man inside of a tiny human body. He could have at 12 years old said, uh, Let's get this thing going already. I'm re- I am the son of God, born of a virgin. Let's roll. He had to grow. So the things we get so impatient about are really all waiting on you to grow up. Many of these due seasons in our lives must come to pass so that we can grow and receive from God. We can become mature to handle the things that God is directing us towards. 12-year-old Jesus could not have garnered the attention needed to get the job done as 30-year-old Jesus. He was growing. That's on you. This is up to you to do. And well, many don't. They're lazy. They think that just because I have a talent that I should be at this particular level, 
guys, that, that just doesn't have anything to do with it. I deal with it here all the time. It's the only examples I can use. I've been involved in ministries and ministry for a long time. And of course, we're here now. And I mean, I just, I, I deal with this here all the time. Well, I have the talent to do. So why aren't you letting me? Because you're a baby. You're a baby. God is not going to give to you a huge amount of responsibility that you can't handle. Stop acting like people are overlooking you. Stop acting like they're out to squash what God gave you. Oh, the church won't let me do. The pastor won't let me do. No, it's God that won't let you do. And you need to recognize that. You're not ready. You are immature in a particular area. And God's not going to allow that to happen until you're ready. Growth takes time. Good Lord, folks. We got people here that are at a spiritual level of of a three-year-old trying to take on duties of a 30-year-old. God loves you too much to allow you to do that and to fail. If you find yourself becoming impatient and thinking, I don't want to wait anymore. I want to do it right now. That's a sign of pride knocking at the door. You need to deal with that right away. Keep growing. It takes time. And always remembering, God is with you, even now, and forget those things that are behind. Keep pressing towards that mark. God will see you through this season. You have to trust him. It takes faith. So the first step in eliminating pride is to eliminate dissatisfaction and become content. Now, the next thing you do is found in Romans 1, 21, 22. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools. So look at this one, step by step. It says they knew God, but didn't give God the glory. Second, they were not thankful. They became vain or empty in their imaginations. Third, their hearts were darkened or deceived, and they were in pride by professing themselves to be wise. So ultimately, what we're seeing is that you will become prideful if you do not learn to be thankful. So to become a thankful person is to make a quality decision, to have a heart of thanksgiving, to look on the light side of every situation instead of the dark side of every situation. Or we could say to just be thankful for what it is that God has already done in your life and don't worry about what it is that you think that you don't have yet. If you do not make the decision to do so, and it's on you to just to decide, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to think and be thankful. And if, and if you don't, the enemy will always highlight the negative in your life and you're always Uh, and and will always be there to remind you of your needs, your wants, instead of what it is that you've already been blessed with. And and you have to think to thank. You have to make the decision to go back and revisit the times those prayers got answered. Look at how God came through. Some of those times that you were just certain it just wasn't going to work out. And if you don't do this, it's so easy to become bitter and unthankful and resentful. All of this is pride based off the assumption that I deserve way better than this. And what's really taking place is accusations against God. And, and that he, he uh, isn't just in, 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 not you know, he's just not in my situation. You better remember now, friends, that if we really got all that we deserved, we'd be burning in hell. Jesus took all he did not deserve to be sure that we don't get all that we do deserve. And that's something you can be thankful about. Start looking for reasons to be thankful. Philippians 4, 8, very plain. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on those things. Find something and do it the most when you feel like doing it the least, right? Listen. 
there is a temptation to draw everybody's attention to your situation so that you can get their pity. Again, I'm dealing with this here all the time. A couple people that just have to message everybody and tell them how bad it is all the time and it's just unfair and blah. It gets you nothing spiritually. It gets you nothing naturally. And if you do find pity from someone, what? It's like a 10-second high. It, it doesn't, it's never going to be enough, and it certainly doesn't fix anything. It's a high, a selfish high that produces nothing but bitterment, uh, bitterness and resentment. It opens the door for deception in your life, and you're working yourselves right out of what it is that God wants for you. If you really want to know how to slam the door shut on pride once and for all, now I'm not going to say it, it's not going to come back knocking, but if you want to shut the door, that's called humility. And guess what? God won't make you humble. That's not biblical. Humility is a choice that you make to do. If you can humble yourselves, pride will not stand a chance. So humility is to recognize that, of course, without God, I'm nothing. And so that means I am to submit myself to anything and everything that he says to do and say. My attitudes, my actions, my heart, my dreams, my visions, all going to point back to the will of my father No room for me, myself, and I, that false trinity. No selfishness, no ulterior motives. What's best for king and kingdom? You have to die to self. Put down that flesh. And once you can, you can remove all this um, selfish, self, self, right? Get self out of the way. And now we're going to see that, well, it is God that's orchestrating my life, and I can promise you he's way better at it than you are. 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Look, I got the devil resisting me. I got the world resisting me. Sometimes my own flesh is resisting me. I don't need God on the side of those who are resisting me. This says that God will resist you. Could you be honest today and take an inventory and look into your own life right now? Gosh, why aren't my prayers getting answered? Why does it seem like nothing is working out? Why am I so miserable and I don't feel his presence anymore? It's got to be the church. It's got to be the pastor. It's got to be, got to be, got to be. God is resisting you. It's not a place you want to be in, people. Humility is the key to walking in God's increase and favor in your life. You have to humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, meaning you will do whatever it is that he says to do. This enables him to exalt you in due time, exalt, to lift up, to raise up out of. And as God does this, you now give him the glory. The kingdom of God is glorified and it brings greater visibility to God and his goodness and his power and now your light is going to shine in the darkness. God will exalt us in due time. Due time. Boy, we don't like that one. We think that because we hit the mark one time that we're now ready. It's like my children when they got grounded. And so they do one good thing and they're like, see, see, am I still grounded? Am I still grounded? Did you see? I did the one. I made my bed today. Why am I still grounded? (laughs) Due time. Listen, your due season is, is coming. And, um, Your due season is reaching its time when it doesn't matter to you anymore. When you are content and happy doing what you're doing, when you're doing it, 
and you're not disturbed or disquieted about it, and you're thankful and you're happy to do it. Thankful for the blessing of God in this season of my life. Due season is coming. How do we fight this self-centeredness? How do we come to a place of humility, and it isn't about me anymore, but rather about God? Philippians 2, 1 through 3. Therefore, if this is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affliction, uh, affection, sorry, that's way different, uh, any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Uh-oh, hold on. All you people in the back, lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. So what is on my mind today? How can I help you serve you? Verse four, let each of you look out, not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Well, 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 well. Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, wait a minute now. Not my, not my own interest, but the interest of others. And let this mind be in you that was in Jesus. What mind? What thoughts? What did this look like in context to what we're talking about here? Because in context, he's talking about helping others over ourselves and not being selfish. Verse six, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taken on the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Look at it. He became humble, humbled himself. Don't you remember when he was standing in the garden and his job was to do what? Serve others, right? Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice of saying, it ain't about me. And yet in the garden, here he is. And he's like, Father God, if there's any other way, look, I've done a lot but I don't want to do this one. But nonetheless, not my will. I'm here for the service of the king. I'm here for the pleasure of the king. Father, what would please you more than anything? It says it pleased him to bruise him. Guys, we don't even understand this. He became obedient and God exalted him. Humility produces obedience. When we become obedient to the word of God to the point that I have died to self, Now, God can use you in ways you could not even dream were possible. Pride is so horrible that it's destroying people. Listen, pride produces disobedience because pride will make you think, hey, I know better. I know what's best for me. And so we begin to make excuses as to why we're being disobedient to the word of God to justify why we're doing the opposite of what it is that God said to do. So we have to have the mind of a servant. That's what Jesus was saying here in context. And we said in our other podcast that we need to press towards the mark of servanthood that sits before us. And it is servanthood that kills pride. Let me tell you the truth. I know this for a fact as I have lived both sides of this. But if you'll find someone and start serving, see, listen, our flesh wants to say, well, what about me? What about me? I have needs. Why won't someone come and serve me? That's why. Find someone to serve. Meet needs for and you're going to find you're going to be much happier than you've ever been. Galatians 5.16, I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verses 17, 22, 23, for the flesh lust against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. They're contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But the fruit of the spirit is love 
and joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, such there is no law. When When I read that list of the fruit of the Spirit, what would that fruit look like? Wouldn't that produce helping others, lifting up others, killing pride in us, killing of that self-pity? So here's a principle that will put you on the road to God's high calling. Mark 10, 43 through 45. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be a servant. And whoever of you desires to be first will be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to serve, uh, to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. God promotes servants into positions of authority. Come on, you, you have to put that flesh under. Humble yourself. Remove selfish desires and allow God to exalt you all through serving others. Jesus was and is our perfect example of this, and he was revealing his Father's heart to the world and how we are to serve others, and we can by using every resource we have available. Make your resources available to the body of Christ. I'm talking about that body that you've been called to be a part of, and I'm, I'm talking about on the local level to help that church or that ministry that you are to be a part of, to be able to reach the lost and help believers to grow in the image of Jesus. If you don't like how the church is going and what's going on, then you get your butt in there and you change it. You get in there and start serving then. Well, why isn't this? Why isn't that? No, why aren't you? People want to come in and just nitpick it apart. Why don't you do something? Do something. Do anything to help that church that you're a part of to be able to reach the lost. Help believers to grow into the image of Jesus. Supply your money. Yeah. Yeah, help financially as much as you can. Uh Uh-huh. Give your time. Give your talents. Give your gifts. And shut your face. Good Lord. Gifts to be used. Skills. Prayers to produce as much fruit as we can for the kingdom. Pray for the church. Be a part. I don't know why this is so difficult for people to grasp. Not to be selfish about what they want out of it. Seems to me that some forget that it's... um, It's not helping the pastor personally. Well, I'm just helping this guy better his ministry. He's the only one getting paid. Why are we the ones doing all the work? He's the only one getting paid all the time. Why isn't he doing something? We're just helping this guy better his ministry by doing all this. Any real pastor is in it for the kingdom. Somebody has to be the leader. Don't be so focused on the people, the person. See, I feel like that's a part of it. The people are like, well, that's his calling, and we're just giving all we got to this guy so he can do what he wants to do while we all sit here below him waiting to do what it is that we want to do. I'm called to, you know. Well, you missed the vision. You missed the point. Pride's got you. Let me wrap. There's so much more I'm trying to say. I just have to allow Holy Spirit to reveal some things to you today personally. John 13, 4 through 8. Jesus, he raises up from supper and he laid aside his garments and he took a towel and he girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet. And he began to wipe them with the towel that he was girded with. And then he came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him, Lord, are you, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and he said to him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, if I don't wash them, you're not going to have any part with me. If you refuse to serve those who serve you, you have no part with Jesus. If you're not going to serve others and submit to them, you're never going to close the door to pride. If you don't close that door, it's always going to be wide open for deception, friends. Verses 15 through 17, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. It's no secret if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time through the years, I've shared with you the attacks that have come and the disagreements that I had with my late father-in-law. He was not only my pastor, but of course, as I said, he was my father-in-law and head over the organization in which I went to college, Bible College. He was the regional director over Missouri and Arkansas and all the pastors that had affiliated with this particular organization. Anybody that had attended that school or was a part of alumni, then this guy's kind of your boss. He was over them, so my whole world had been wrapped up in this particular circle for a very long time and made a lot of friends and a lot of connections through the years and, and, uh, and uh, had ministered at these churches many, many times and fellowshiped on personal levels and made relationships with people in all these churches, and I'd, I had preached in, in many of them through the years as our ministry was growing, and, and I mean, just amazing, ridiculous revivals at these places where we would pack places out and host tent revivals for 15 days straight sometimes and people coming in from all over the state at times to attend these great healing and miracles and uh, you know revivals and great testimonies and really just an amazing time with these people and now I have this falling out with my father-in-law on a personal level like he would attack me viciously I'd served him well for years almost 20 ushering, painting, building, traveling with him, driving him, picking up cigarette butts in the parking lot, uh, uh, you know, giving up a Saturday a month for 20 years to serve at church, giving out food, always there, cleaning at nights, uh, you know, on my weekends, um, uh, giving up your Saturdays to do praise and worship and, and, and to practice and Sunday mornings and remodeling and doing anything I could to promote him, lift him, serve him. And, and, and uh, but at the very moment that I feel called to do and to go, now I wasn't the only one that suffered this, I'm just talking about me, but the moment that you felt called to do more that didn't have an exact connection to the church specifically, boom, the attacks were going to come just something that was a, a, an issue that he had in him that anybody, anybody who felt called to do more than anything that benefited that particular church, you're dead to him. So bitterness and strife, and he called all these pastors that I had a relationship with and told them that I was in rebellion and that they were not to allow me to come and minister at their churches anymore. Now I'm talking, I'm talking at that time preaching at least 30 weekends a year at these places on a regular basis year after year to zero, none, nothing, nobody, nobody talking to me. And then a few of them letting me know why. So I'm angry, right? I'm super mad. And it was just ugly for a number of years. This man made it very personal and took it out on the ministry. So over the years, as we had to rebuild and go on, it was fine, except for this man who happened to be my father-in-law and a pastor and a director that they all looked up to as their boss, which he also called the school and told them that I was rebellious, and they tried to come and get me to even turn my diploma back in. And none of these called to ask me, what's going on? What's the deal? They didn't even call to try to bring correction if they really thought that I was just so rebellious and going crazy. Nope, dead to them. So you can imagine I'm not happy with this person at all. Now listen, I'm talking about serving, and some of the best moments that I ever had were serving that man, his ministry, and his vision. Amazing times. And so this had stolen a lot from my life. And it would be at the height of our dispute. I mean, we didn't even look at each other or talk to each other, remembering this is my father-in-law. So, you know, kind of made family events, uh, you know, 
had to see him all the time. And so it comes down to a come to Jesus moment where Holy Spirit was done hearing my mouth. Well, he did this and he did that and he's doing this and he's doing that. And Holy Spirit says, well, what about you? What about you, Donnie? What about you? This man is not your problem. Pride is your problem. What? No, what? No, hey. And so he begins to play back the tapes and all I heard was me, me. Boo-hoo about me. What about me? Well, shoot. All right. <laughs> it's really hard when he runs back the tapes. <laughs> I mean, Holy Spirit, will, he'll keep the tapes, you know. Okay, well, what a sticky spot because the man had done me wrong and was doing me wrong. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, okay, well, what? What then? Well, he said, well, you know, David could have killed Saul and he took a piece of his clothing and he cut it off to say, see, I could have, I could have destroyed you. Look, I was close enough to do it. And what happened there? He was justified in the natural. You want to play the natural game? You'll suffer the natural consequences. You want to play that natural game? You'll win natural prizes. Or you can be spiritual and have the spiritual consequences. So God says to me, you're going to wash his feet. Duh, what? You're going to wash that man's feet. Okay, fine. Now I'll go to his house and wash his feet. Fine. He's no. I said, well, my mother-in-law can be there. I'm sure she knows what's going on. She can be there and watch. No, no. Your fight with him was very public, so guess what? Your washing's going to be very public. Now, here's where humility comes in, because I'm telling you, nobody did more damage to this ministry and to me personally. So the Lord says to me, you're going to go back to his church on Sunday morning. Now, I've not seen this guy in months, right? You're going to go back Sunday morning, and you're going to do it in front of the church, and you're going to keep your mouth shut about it. And you're going to invite every single person that you can think of that took on your offense for him. It wasn't theirs. It was your offense. And you place that on them. And you're going to call them and you're going to tell them that they're going to be there to watch this as well. Well, that was about 20 people I had to call. And you're going to wash his feet and you're going to apologize to him. And you're going to tell him how much you love him. Because this was a yoke upon my neck, people. And I mean, I'll tell you what, pride, right? I mean, pride wants to say, you've got to be kidding me. I did it, and I cannot tell you the freedom in which I experienced. Oh, listen, my flesh all the way up to it was screaming, what about me? What about me? He did me. He better apologize to me. He should spill the beans on how nasty he's been to me. Nope. Put it down. Humble myself to become a servant of God to do what he says to do. And so I did in front of the entire church and the 20 I brought with me and the guest speaker that was there that day and Facebook Live, I did it. And I'm gonna tell you there was a release of supernatural power that broke a yoke of bondage upon me that removed pride out of my life. That stupid thing that keeps saying, what about me, what about me? No, what about the kingdom? A miracle happened that day. No, he didn't call the pastors. He didn't get up and talk about it. He cried his eyes out and held me and told me how much he loves me, and he died two weeks later. Delayed obedience is simple disobedience. Had I waited, it would not have happened. And I was able to move forward, and now God was able to stop resisting me. I was fighting a battle against my father, God, who was resisting me, because of pride and things just were a struggle and not working out and my god it was like uphill all the time well of course god was resisting me 
I couldn't blame it on the devil. It was pride. Listen to me today as I tell you. Do not allow that demon, and man, I call it a demon, demon of pride and self to rule over you any longer. You got to close that door to pride once and for all. Submitting to God and man, deal with that discontentment. Settle into what it is that God has before you right now with a grateful heart to serve and bring all you have to be sure that the kingdom of God advances, right? You're hitting the mark. God is glorified. Others around you are healthier because of your relationship with them. Be the type of person that you want helping you in the future. As you sow those seeds of servanthood, pride dies and favor and blessing arises upon you. Why? God is no longer resisting you, which means what? God is blessing you. As you grow in the things of God and wisdom and revelation and power and might and anointing, they become stronger and stronger. And soon you're going to see the doorways to the call. The prize, are going to, it's going to begin to open up to you. You're going to find yourselves walking in it. It's going to be successful because you set yourselves to first hit the mark. You've sown faithfully, and I'm telling you, your God is so faithful to be sure that you will reap the same way. I hope you heard me today, people. No more of me, myself, and I, that false trinity. It's all about him. Find somebody to serve today. That's right. You want to find the true uh, mark of humility? Get to serving. Come on, meet a need. Bring a talent. Bring a supply. Lend a hand. Give that time and that prayer. It is always good seed sown. And then there's going to come that time that God will exalt you. He'll lift you up into that high calling in Christ Jesus. All right, friends, that's all the time I have for today. Thank you for joining me on the New Old School Podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. Until next time, I am humbling myself so I can attempt the ridiculous.